This is 89.1 WEMU, and today we're going to take a look at the power of the purchase and its impact on creating a more sustainable future. I'm David Fair, and welcome to Issues of the Environment. I was actually shocked to learn that the federal government spends about $259 billion in its procurement program. Now, collectively, the state and local governments in America spend another $1.3 trillion. It's things like cars, furnishing computers, uh, office supplies, those kinds of things, a good deal of which contain harmful chemicals, wasteful packaging, and all of which contributes to carbon emissions and a less healthy environment. There's a better way, and Ann Arbor has taken the lead on purchasing policy, and it's serving as a model for the state of Michigan and other places around the country. Our guest today is Matt Nod. Now, Matt was Ann Arbor's first-ever environmental coordinator and now serves as senior consultant for the Ann Arbor-based resource recycling systems, and it's always good to talk with you, Matt. Thanks so much for having me, David. Glad to be back. Well, let's let's go back a couple of decades. When you first started working for the city, had you identified procurement as an environmental issue? Yeah, the city had always kind of paid attention in different spaces, but it had never been pulled together in one place. You know, we've had this strong recycling program forever, and folks on staff uh, made sure the city was buying recycled paper and greener electronic products and things like that. I left about five years ago, and just before that, we had started to pull that together into a policy. And then the purchasing staff and my successor, Dr. Stultz, brought together a very strong policy that was really intentional about eliminating toxics from the city's purchasing. Yeah, I'm told it contains uh, some of the strongest language in the country on avoiding classes of toxic chemicals, including PFAS. Now, I guess my question is, how is that possible? PFAS and these toxic chemicals are in the majority of anything we buy. Well, they are in a lot of things, but there are alternatives. And it's, again, where we're finding that the purchasing power of government can help drive companies to both disclose uh, whether there's contaminated or toxic chemicals and drive the demand for new alternatives that are certainly less toxic, if not non-toxic. The Ann Arbor-based Ecology Center has its partnership with Safer States and Healthy Babies Bright Futures to listen to local governments on these issues and kind of help build the tools needed to make policy and process decisions. And you are working with the Ecology Center on these matters. Uh, what exactly is the crew over there doing? Sure. I help run the Great Lakes Climate Adaptation Network, which keeps in touch with city, county, institution sustainability folks kind of from Minneapolis to Toronto and everyone in between. And that group uh, noted that they were interested in working together on sustainable purchasing. So starting with Rebecca Munink, who's now moved on to NWF, National mm -hmm. Wildlife Federation, now Tracy Easthope and colleague Tanya Summerlin, we meet with a group of cities every other month and we've listened to what they need. You know, how do they build support for sustainable purchasing in their organizations? How do we take and give them a model policy? How do we create fact sheets and guides to make it easier for purchasers? Because most cities don't have a lot of staff, time to train. And this way, if we can give them an, a basically free or inexpensive online training program, it'll be easier for them to implement in their communities. You're listening to Issues of the Environment on 89.1 WEMU. We're talking with Matt Nod. Now, Matt, uh, local and state governments operate with 
decentralized purchasing. I would assume that makes successfully adopting uh, new policies that have real impact a bit more difficult. How do you work through those issues? Great question, David. Some cities have super centralized purchasing, but a lot of cities don't. And so I think when I was at the city, there were a couple hundred people that could basically buy anything they wanted up to a certain amount. Some companies are making it easier. When I was at the city, Staples was creating kind of a green screen so that if an employee was going to buy something, it was only going to see the green products and products that were compliant with that policy. It's also one of the reasons why we've looked at a model policy, because the more cities adopt the same policy, the easier it is for the private sector to create those kind of aids to help this decentralized purchasing. Somebody go online and you're only seeing the recycled content paper. You're only seeing cleaning products with the UL Eco logo or Green Seal, these third-party certifications that kind of help guide you to better products. So are you looking for creation of a nationwide procurement standard for governments, corporations, and manufacturers? You know, I, I think that would be ideal. I think we have found a number of very interested communities, both in Michigan, but also Anchorage, Providence. Lansing is one of the cities that's recently adopted this model policy, taken it on, and they're the ones that we have a grant with Healthy Babies Break Teachers to design a training program to make it easier to train their staff. Because again, the more we can give staff training, the more this decentralized purchasing is going to work. Once again, you're listening to Issues of the Environment on 89.1 WEMU, and we're talking with Matt Nod about the power of the purchase. So based on the modeling and counsel received, Governor Gretchen Whitmer in 2021 signed an executive directive to limit procurement of products that contain PFAS. The Biden administration has since committed to purchase PFAS-free substitutes where possible. Is the hope that the direct impact uh, will be that we'll be able to redirect the manner in which products are manufactured, packaged, and shipped out? Oh, absolutely. You know, there's a number of um, other places that use something called the precautionary principle where you need to prove that it's safe before it hits the market. And that's not typically true in the United States. So we're often found after the fact realizing that ski wax uh, has PFAS in it. Refrigerants in air conditioners and things like that have PFAS And so these chemicals just are ubiquitous in the environment. And we're hoping that we're taking the right steps to raise awareness with government purchasers and at a minimum have them ask their vendors to disclose the toxic chemicals in the products they have so that cities and governments and institutions have more perfect information. And where it's clear, just state outright in the policy, in the contract, in the RFP that we won't be buying anything with perfluorinated compounds or other toxic chemicals, that we can buy better products and create healthier environments for our staff and visitors. Have you found, uh, as uh, some of the cities and states adopt these policies, that the cost of doing business has increased for them, or can you do it at competitively based prices? Yep. Good. Great question. And it's a question that most of these communities are getting asked by their elected officials. It's a mixed bag. And I think for some of these, 
it's just a toxic chemical, and you shouldn't be buying it in the first place. So it, you need to find an alternative, and it may be more expensive. But what they're finding is early adopters on LED light bulbs, they were more expensive, but the life cycle cost, you know, you didn't have to have staff replacing them as often. And so really taking a, a step back and looking at the life cycle cost of exposure of staff to some of these chemicals, um, you know, PFAS in firefighting foam is now a compliance issue. Some of these fire stations need to be cleaned up because they are technically contaminated sites. So there are long-term costs associated with using some of these toxic chemicals that aren't really built into the decision-making up front. So Particularly in with, states where there's no polluter pay laws. Exactly. So I think what we're finding is early adopters sometimes are paying a little more to buy the right product, but over time, the market adapts. And you can now buy uh, recycling carts made in Michigan from a local company, and they build it with a significant amount of recycled uh, plastic in it. So that was not the norm, and now it's more of the norm. And I think we're going to find that in a lot of these products as, as we start building these into government procurement policies. Well, Matt... I will look forward to seeing how this uh, plays out over the next couple of years because it seems like it's gone uh, pretty far in a relatively quick period of time. It has. Um, I, I can say I'm surprised. I, uh, you know, We were doing some good work in Ann Arbor. It's gotten even better. But this work with a number of nonprofits and philanthropy and this focus on local governments using some of the networks that we have I think we've started to make a lot of real progress and started to build the tools, listening closely to those communities on what they need to move the ball forward in their communities. So look to Lansing as the current leader in Michigan, and we're hoping for more to follow. Well, thank you so much for spending the time with me today and providing the information. I appreciate it. Oh, David, thanks so much. Really appreciate all you do. And and there's a lot of information on the Ecology Center website that I think local residents could benefit from and also use in their business procurement. And we will make sure that that is a part of the link package that we include on our web post at WEMU.org. That is Matt Navi, a senior consultant for the Ann Arbor-based Resource Recycling Systems, working with the Ecology Center on procurement policy. Again, for more information, go to WEMU.org. I'm David Fair, and this is your community NPR station, 891 WEMU-FM, Ypsilanti.